Welcome to the Security Today podcast. I'm your host, Uncle Bear, and today's segment of Security Today is called Bid to Bank. It is brought to you by Sprinter Business Solutions. Welcome to this new interview segment that we're going to be taking entrepreneurs and business owners in the low voltage and security industry, and we're going to be interviewing them as they walk us through a project life cycle with everything from the bid to the bank. Uh, we'll attack questions such as marketing and sales, uh, engineering and quoting, project management, the customer experience, and money handling and the hurdles that come with it. At the end of every episode, we hit them with the two questions, the humbling question of where are you lacking? What can you learn? And the bonus question of from the project life cycle, what is the most critical part in your opinion? My intention with these podcasts will be to help those out there grow. That's right. It doesn't matter if you've been in the industry for 50 years or for five minutes. I want to make sure that an interview like this from bid to bank will help you grow with your clients. You can take nuggets out of every single interview. You can pick the peaches that are ripe for your experience and where your business is at. And you can help grow in the process. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and let's get into it. Welcome to Security Today podcast brought to you by Sprinter Business Solutions. I'm here with the CEO himself, Chris Tiffany. I am your host, Uncle Bear, and we are on a new segment called Bid to Bank. Um, this is the first episode that we're doing out here, and I am so stoked that it's my boss and my um, good friend Chris, and we're repping Sprinter today. So brought to you by Sprinter, I thought it has to be Chris, the first one that we get on here. How's it going today, man? Hey, not too bad, buddy. Great uh, great to be here. I'm super excited for what's been going on uh, with the Security Today podcast lately. So really awesome seeing that kind of coming back alive and uh, really excited to, A, have some involvement in it and uh, B, excited to be here today. So uh, it's, uh, it's an honor and a privilege, my friend. Perfect, perfect. Well, I want this, um, this segment here, Bid to Bank, to be kind of this... Um, just educational podcast format that makes sure that people who maybe they've been in the industry for 50 years, maybe they've been in the industry for five minutes, but they have the ability to come into these interviews and we're going to go over some um, different categories from market and sales, uh, the bid, project management, customer experience, and the bank, obviously, um, and just walk us through maybe some general idea of what we do here at Sprinter and then maybe they could pull something from it uh, to help their business out. So that's what we're out here to do. So we might as well just jump into it. Um, the first thing that I like to touch on through those segments is obviously marketing. So the idea with this podcast is to run the project lifestyle from the, or stop, project life cycle from the very beginning to the very end of the project. So my first question for you is just, what's, what's your or our most sold uh, product or service? and when during the sales pitch do we kind of interject that product or that service that we offer? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's tough because absolute volume is probably a cat six drop um, just because so many get sold at once. Um, and keeping in mind, you know, for those who aren't familiar with Sprinter, um, kind of started the company about 14 years ago. Now we're a fairly multifaceted company with the low voltage security and managed IT and VoIP side of things. 
outside of a low voltage drop, probably the number one top seller is we, we sell a lot of business phone systems um, because we're a FCC licensed dealer uh, provider. We do everything in-house, um, dial tone, the systems, phones, everything else. So we, we've been focused on that heavily because of the scalability and it, uh, it, it, it's a top seller for sure. Awesome. And when when we pitch that to somebody, do is that what we lead with in our marketing and uh, our sales? Yeah. So um, it's definitely a big point of a lot of our marketing, especially in the regional U.S. You know, the the Wisconsin market, um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, I'm a big fan of of getting the foot in the door, if you will, to a lot of clients and. VoIP is a really good item to get a foot in the door on. Same with security. Right now we're kind of seeing security cameras are a big one and phone systems. Those two are probably our biggest foot in the door to then get to take over, you know, managed IT, managed network, etc. cetera. Um, we typically are marketing the phone system side fairly heavily. Um, it's tough in my experience to like market. We do low voltage wiring. It's much easier to market managed you know complete wi-fi than it is to market cabling because a cable is not something that somebody says gosh i really need a cable here like maybe they do but really what they say is hey i really want a phone on this wall or i really want a computer over here or i need wi-fi over here that's the driving factor to why a low voltage drop gets run um so it's much easier to focus on what's the end result to the client what are they actually looking for? And in a lot of our case, they're wanting unified communications, they're wanting a better phone system. So that's what we're marketing and trying to get the foot in the door on is the, the phone system side. Awesome. And so when it comes to the bid, uh, what quoting software do you use? Yeah, so I mean, right now we first launched our sales department here less than a year ago. Um, otherwise it was me, it was our other, you know, VP, et cetera, doing most of the sales side. We're now using HubSpot CRM as our kind of the, the CRM portion of that. And then everything is being quoted through a software called Quoter. Um, we're in the middle of splitting out the low voltage side into utilizing um, SimPro and we'll end up moving that over and then uh, Quota works pretty good with our managed systems being under the Autotask, Data, Kaseya line of things. So Quota um, does really good presentations, does really good templating, um, integrates to the credit card processing, integrates for uh, you know electronic signature, um, payment, deposits, everything like that. Awesome. Over so you've been a business owner over a decade now. So can you kind of explain to me and the listeners like? what your philosophy on the bid is like do you use it to get in the door for more promised work or do you hit every bid high and win a few but you win those big like what's your approach when it comes to that bid yeah so i guess no matter what we're bidding on i really like to bid philosophy wise i like to bid with what not, not selling too much out the door you know, if they come to us and say, hey, we need, I just met with a big one yesterday. They got 100 plus employees. We'll kind of use that as kind of a one we're going off of. They're going to need security cameras. They need some alarm potential, definitely managed services, servers. They're in the middle of a big phone system migration, so it probably won't go to us, but a lot of data com, cleanup work, etc. Their biggest pain point is what I want to go in and get. Sure, we're going to mention that, yeah, we do a lot of security cameras. We do a lot of access control. Those are our big things. For this particular client, that's not what their main pain point is. 
So we're looking to build the bid on their main pain point, which is really what their managed service side of things is, is what they're needing. Um, and even on that, I'm not trying to go in and sell them the whole farm, um, which is a good pun because they're a farm. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, I'm not trying to sell them the whole farm. Like, we'll let them know, yeah, we've got that. But if all they want are potatoes, I'm not trying to sell them potatoes and onions and everything else. And I want it to come in at a price point that I can expand off of. I don't want to come in stupid low on that. To where, you know, if I tell them right now that my hourly rate's 50 bucks an hour for this and the next project it's 160, well, now I've just pissed them off because there's no good reason to do that. Now, I might work in a little bit of a discount on some onboarding time or I might have to do some, some things to get them on, but I don't want to come in with unrealistic expectations for future projects and future things. Now, I also do want a good long-term relationship, so I'm not trying to, you know, as the saying is out there, you know, I'm not trying to buy a yacht off of one one project. Like that's not the goal. We want to keep our margins. We want to keep good margins, and we want to make sure we can deliver on that to the client. So you never want to underbid because that's a really quick way to find yourself up upside down on a project, or really sour a relationship because they come in and say, "Well, yeah, this was great, but they told me it was going to cost eighty grand, and by the time they finished, it was one hundred and fifty. Like, you don't mm-hmm. want to do that. You really do want to be on point with your numbers as much as you can. And be make sure you've got the margin in there to be able to, if you got to eat five grand on a 100K project, that you can do it with a smile and finish the project and keep to your bid that you told them you were going to do, you know? Definitely, definitely. Do you feel like, I mean, being in it for a decade, you have a really good, you know, pool to pull from. Do you think that that philosophy is maintained itself pretty much throughout the time that you've owned a business or has it changed with like the economy or changed with world events like the pandemic or something like that i think it's 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 matured a lot i used to bid a lot lower on things trying to get the foot in the door there was many times you know we had a big project in in another state that we bid very low because it was a situation of you know that the client saying well if you if you do these for us we'll give you all the rest of these we're growing we're growing we're growing you know the way they do um (laughs) we bid too low um we didn't put enough restrictions around it they you know we didn't put restrictions around our 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 bid on how many trips we were going to allow on everything else it was very much just this is what you're going to pay for x without dealing with all of their things so I think the thing I learned there and on a lot of similar projects was going in with that, like, I want to win this project so I can get the future projects attitude. It just doesn't really work out at the end of the day, because at the end of the day, if, if, if you've had a really tough time on those first two projects that you bid too low, well, A, you might not have enough money to go after the next projects. Like, you know, if you don't make a profit on it, you're going to be upset down on it. So that can be a problem. And B, you just set the mm-hmm. precedent with the client. Now they're going to be like, well, I don't see why I should have to pay more. Or they'll use your past bids to go find another company to do it for less. Um, So it's more just a maturity of the process than necessarily, I wouldn't say we changed it much with the pandemic or changed it much with, with different, you know, economical things there. Some days you do change based on the client, but it's really more just based on the client demands. When you get to know a client and know, hey, this project or this thing, they're going to be the ones that are calling up on Friday saying, I need all these things done before Monday morning. 
you got to charge that client more than the client that, you know, is well put together and well scheduled and well planned out. And, and you're not going to mm. be putting in overtime. You're not going to be putting in weekend work to, to make their needs happen, you know? Yeah, that's a really good point. So after you get that bid out there and you win that bid and it moves from engineering to more of the project management side, can can you elaborate on what sort of like software or apps you use during that project management phase? So it's one of those deals where we're always trying to evolve, always trying to get better. I mean, you know, Chris, you know that, you know, just in the last year there's been changes and there's going to be more. Um, <laughs> we're trying to always get better at that. Um, be it, you know, right now we use Bluebeam for a lot of stuff that's moving over to uh, GroundPlan because they're integrated with SimPro. Both Bluebeam and GroundPlan are both pretty solid. Um, I like the uh, the concurrent licensing model of GroundPlan better and it integrates into SimPro. So you kind of move from that like initial bid stage where it's like, all right, you know, I know that camera, I'm going to allocate $85 a camera and back, back boxes and mounting hardware and what have you to then you're moving to the engineering aspect, which is I need to know what model back box we actually need to use. And some people can argue that that should all be figured out in the early bid process. I wouldn't disagree, but I would also say on my end, you know, if we can turn a bid out in eight hours versus 24 hours, and then you're only gonna win a certain percentage of your bids. So at a certain point, I would rather not figure out every last little item, you know, on an access control one, you need to make sure you sent out, you know, you're sending the right strike. But if you know your low strike is going to be a $200 part and your high strike is a $300 part, maybe you just bid it based on the $300 part or a 280 and you bid based on the averages and then you figure out exactly what you need once you've won the bid and you know, okay, I can now put 20 hours of in-depth engineering into this to figure out my parts list. So you build that parts list as part of your takeoffs. Um, excuse me. I don't, uh, you know, Ground plan works pretty well. It tags into to SimPro. Um, another big one that we rely heavily on is FieldWire. Um, FieldWire is fantastic for taking those blueprints, adding notes, adding data, um, especially once the project hits the field side. Um, for project management outside of that, we use Monday.com pretty heavily for a lot of people movement, for a lot of parts movement, for just tracking, and we will be diving deeper into using that even more as we try to create more automations more checks more more output um at the end of the day you know moving that project from hey we want it to hey our teams are on the ground um there's definitely a lot of work that has to be done there and i think your you know your level of organization really is huge in the ability to make that project start off on the right foot um and it's something that we've found that we don't always do great at is you know, making sure those right parts are being sent out there at the right time, making sure the right people, making sure the right, you know, scissors lifts are there, making sure that all, you know, electrical is pro planned out, making sure all those, like, dependencies that we need to happen are actually there, um, and then that you document it correctly, etc. So um, I would say, you know, software-wise, the biggest ones are you need something for takeoffs, whether or not it's ground plan or blue beam or something like that. And then for ongoing management, you know, Monday and Fieldwire are really, really two of them that we really heavily rely on. Yeah, totally. Uh, I'm there with you. I mean, I'm <laughs> working in the same company. So that, that Fieldwire works really well. And uh, Bluebeam and Monday.com are also some of my favorites just for... And don't forget Vizio. I mean, Viz Vizio is huge for yeah. that engineering, you know, post-bid 
pre-rollout to engineer all your rack layouts, your designs, your interconnectivities, etc. that again, usually you're not doing before you win the bid because what port plugs into what port typically doesn't matter until you're sending text out there and you got to make sure that what's up here, your design up here actually goes out into the field, you know? Mm, definitely. So in during that project management phase of watching that project go from winning the bid all the way to, you know, putting the money in the bank, do you feel like there's been spots that have been hard to improve on in that cycle that you've faced personally with your company? Yes, I mean, um, keeping a, a finger on the pulse of, of every project that's going on out there is, is a huge challenge. And it's a challenge, you know, talking to other people in, you know, the security industry, security owners group, um, other other groups, technology worldwide, etc. Like, it's something that everyone seems to struggle with. Um, we struggle with it. Now, I think there's keeping an eye on it and, you know, trying to constantly improve it is, is definitely key. Um, figuring out who needs to manage what is a big one. Um, you know, the, I'm not sure it's ever going to be perfect per se, but further, further defining who's responsible for what, you know, even down to, you know, field techs, who's, who's responsible for making sure that those photos are all in field wire correctly. Who's responsible for making sure it's on the right timelines? Um, you know the the, the client checklist, client sign offs, um, general contractor communications. Just laying that out and better defining who's in charge of that, and then documenting when it's happening um, is huge. We all hate paperwork, but ultimately, a clean project running all the way through should allow anyone anywhere in the company to open up the 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 file for that project in Monday or in Simpro or wherever and know exactly where it was left off. You know, I used to tell my, my retail techs the the same thing, which was, you know, if they keeled over tomorrow and I walk in and have to work on a cell phone they were working on yesterday or a computer, I want to be able to know exactly where every screw goes, every shield goes, every part goes back in. If you have a sick day tomorrow, if a PM has a sick day tomorrow, there shouldn't be the quantity of data that lives in people's brains. Like, keeping that well-documented and well-processed is critical because at the end of the day, people need time off. People need family time. They get sick. There's things. And when we run too much stuff in our heads, it's, it's a dangerous thing. And I've realized that because I run too much in my head. Like there's too much project information that stays up there. So just utilizing those softwares and putting more in to a process, I think is the biggest thing that we've struggled with and everyone struggles with, but needs to happen. Definitely, definitely. Great information. Um, so moving from the project management to kind of an overall customer experience. So where during the life cycle of a project do you feel that the customer experience is the most important and, and why? Mm, that's a good one. Um, I think there, the, the client experience kind of has like three main touch points. It's it's the bid time where where you've gotten all the information but you haven't turned the bid into them yet. It's something we struggle with and a lot of people do. And that is, it's really easy for that to go from three days to 30 days super fast. Um, <laughs> if you don't stay on top of that. Um, that creates that initial, like, if they have to wait for that bid, they 
initially get a very a, a, a not a bad taste, but like it it lowers the company, it lowers your experience level down. If they get that experience or they get that bid back right away, it's like wow, this place is on top of it. It gives an air of like knowledge and an air of confidence that it came back right away. They've got the details. They're ready to sign off. Um, past that. You know, their interaction or their experience in the field is huge. Um, if they're a client that, like, is at the facility you're working at, that's big. Um, I know some of the things that we've changed to do that have helped tremendously is, you know, having sometimes the client, especially if it's a technical person, involved in the team's chats or involved in the field where, where they're seeing those photos, they're seeing that progress in really close to real time. Um, if every day they can go in and mm -hmm. look at the new photos from the job site of what was done that day, and we don't have to necessarily send a report at the end of the day. We still can, but like allowing the client that ability to have an active involvement with the project um, has seemed to give a lot of really positive feedback from the client as far as their experience goes. And then, of course, you know, one of the biggest ones at the end, similar with that, is deliverables, on time deliverables, and, you know, how their job site, how the project was left. Was it? Was there a good walkthrough, et cetera? Was there, was there a proper handoff? So I have a hard time, I guess, pinpointing one particular moment in the project that is most critical to their experience. Um, but, you know, I know another one that we struggle with and have struggled with, we're a lot better now, is even how fast you bill them. Um, as much as it seems like, you know, it'd be an advantage to the client to not get a bill for a couple weeks after a project, it can really mess them up. So the more you can get to where that invoice is sent, you know, 24 hours after the project's done, it really does help that experience. I know from hiring a lot of electricians around the country, hiring other people, you know, I like to know how much I owe for that very, very quickly. <laughs> so that's another, another big one, but, uh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, is there a couple like, small takeaways in that customer experience category that you could just share with the listeners that overall the I mean you've dealt with a ton of customers at this point and I'm sure you've had ones that might sour a little or they went really really good and those sorts of things so is there a couple takeaways from that customer experience that you perform that have you've seen great you know uh, feedback from yeah I mean I think the um the involvement in the process is a big one. Um, that's really helped a lot. Um, I, I mean, that's probably the, the largest one that, that, and mm -hmm. I know doing like our, when we switched over to doing much more engineered rack designs and layouts, um, allowing the client to visualize their project much better, um, both in blueprints, design level, as well as the actual like rack side of things. Um, where they can kind of wrap their heads around what's actually going on. Um, we're dealing with one right now for a city that, you know, we put it all in the proposal, but they're confused about how things interconnect. And so being able to send them back a design or a layout that's like, all right, these two ports on these switches connect to these two on the primary server. This server connects over here. This is the interconnect. This is how it works. Um, we already got compliments that our our physical security design blew our competitors out of the water um, as far as, you know, they're like, yeah, the other guys knew what they were doing for the rack end, but, like, they just listed, oh, 
we're doing 10 of these cameras. They didn't lay out where they were, what the viewpoints were, like what box mounts they're using, like any real in-depth data. Um, and so being able to provide that more in-depth data, typically a lot of times you're going to wait till after the bid's accepted to provide some of that engineering, but not being afraid to provide some of it as a part of the bid process, um, at least in that particular project, is really helping to provide a better, more confident customer experience. Yeah, that's great. So obviously RMR is a huge factor and we'll move, now we move to the bank. So the other yeah. thing that I wanna ask is from the bid to the bank, what payment method do you use to collect after a job is done? Is it usually like your software used or we net 30, um, th those sorts of things? Sure, yeah, so I mean, as far as uh, when it comes to actually getting paid, a lot depends on your clients, you know, I mean, there's others in the industry that swear on being able to do 50% up front and 50% after the job's done or all stage payments, whatever. That's great, to be honest, in my experience, um, you know, net terms is just sort of a, a curse of doing business. So, you know, we've got everything mm -hmm. from our small local clients that we try to keep closer to like net 15 or net 30 to national clients that are on net 45, net 60. We've dealt with a few before that were net 90. And, you know, at net 90, you're getting paid 120 days later. Um, to be fair, we adjust their pricing accordingly and limit how much of their work we're willing to do at a time. Um, but as far as what methods, I don't care. I'll take money anywhere you want to give it to me. Um, you know, I've taken money on PayPal, Cash App, whatever, on our company, PayPal, company, Cash App. Now, I hate doing that. It's not my preferred. Preferred options are, you know, ACH, wire transfer, check, credit card. Our systems are all set up to accept credit cards, accept, you know, ACH or bank transfer. Um, but I mean, I, at the end of the day, you know, I'll, I'll take the money. I don't, I, I want to make as limited or as minimal of barriers to you giving me money as possible. So it's even as much as like, I hate charging any credit card fees because I'm like, you know, at, at that point, like if I can get that $20,000, 10 days faster because you're willing to put it on the Amex than you are willing to send me a check. That 10 grand is worth the $375 in credit card fees and really it only costs us like 245. But like, you know, that 245 bucks to get that 10 grand in my account today versus waiting one, two, three, four weeks, get that, mm. you know, cash flow is king and getting the cash in the account faster, I am all for. So although we do, you know, Pretty much any methods. The, the obviously the preferred is is the the credit and the the credit card or or cash, you know, via check or uh, or ACH wire transfer, um, you know. But as far as a lot of projects, we shoot for having a deposit. That's why I tell our sales team. But again, you know, we just picked up a, a big big general contract, uh, well, general electrical contractor as a client. It, you know, fifty percent up front is not a thing. That's not what they do. They operate on net 30 after completion. It was a $28,000 project. I don't expect to be paid until probably 45 to 60 days after the project was done by the time everything finishes up. And it just is what it is. Mm. Yeah. So where I was going with RMR. So we do yeah. RMR as printer. Yep. Um, and that's a really big factor right now in the low volt space, almost necessary to grow. So what percentage of jobs do the Sprinter collect um, reoccurring revenue on and then can you walk me through how you traditionally collect that if you're thinking like monthly quarterly annually is the best or if there's a better time frame than than others sure sure 
So percentage-wise, if we're talking um, percentage of quotes that go out, I think we're about 70% of quotes that go out have RMR attached to them. Um, however, dollars-wise, it's probably only, you know, I think only out of our gross revenue, RMR accounts for about 15, 12-15% to 15% tops of our, of our gross revenue. So nowhere close to where I'd like to be. We're still obviously a project and service-heavy company, um, but... You know that that's why they're called goals um so we're working on it um still a still a good thing um as far as rmr goes it's uh the the preference i have is monthly people don't really like to they forget about it when it's yearly now there's some things like certain access control licenses or certain other things that you know it's 200 bucks a year Breaking that into monthly can be a real pain in the rear. Um, I'm fine with those running in in RMR on annual recurring revenue. Um, now, ultimately, I'd rather not sell a $200 license. I'd rather sell a $10 a door, $20 a door, include some maintenance, include some extended warranty, whatnot like that. At that point, you get a 10-door system at 15 bucks a door a month, and now you're at $150 a month. Get them on auto pay, set a, you know, auto pay on the credit card, whatever, and they pay their 150 bucks a month. Covers the the maintenance phone calls in, covers all the user changes. Like at the end of the day, I'd rather provide more services for more money um, <laughs> than provide less. And so we do have some that don't go for the recurring. Maybe they they don't do they do only annual maintenance on their camera system or whatever. And so it's hey, you know, it's it's four hours a year. Of, of annual so we do a little bit of annual but uh, the goal is always to do monthly um and i like it just because it, it it gets a cadence then it's not a surprise bill so when they're looking at that credit card statement it's the oh yeah i've got that 40 dollar a month commercial alarm system monitoring 40 bucks a month every month out of their credit card and mm -hmm. versus it's like oh what was that 580 dollar whatever yearly charge or what did i just get hit with 580 bucks what am i paying for that like it's not a surprise you know it's they're used to seeing it every month and it's not something where then at the beginning of the year it's like oh well that's 580 hold on i want to cancel that because they're tight at the beginning of the year or whatever um mm -hmm. so just much prefer even on the smaller dollar amounts much prefer a uh, a monthly now we don't require it to be on a credit card I prefer it to be on a credit card or some sort of automatic payment um, because we do have to chase some of those higher ones. We do offer typically a small percentage discount if it is on auto recurring versus not. So, you know, it would be 50 bucks a month or $48 or 45 bucks if it's on, you know, auto pay. Do you feel like now in the industry people are almost expectant of uh, reoccurring revenue if it comes to video surveillance or access control? Um, they're not surprised by it. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I know from the, the, the projects we put out there that the challenges is that a lot of times when you're competing against the Costco's of essentially installs of the world, you know, they're used to just mm -hmm. their handyman puts it in for cheap, whatever. At a certain point, that's not the client I'm targeting. So, you know, they want security. They want items that are quality at the end of the day and, and stay working as they need it to. Um, I think most, most that we win obviously are used to it. They're good with it. Um, we've had some pushback from some apartment complexes or things like that. We're usually, usually we can still get them on some recurring revenue, but it is typically more of a, 
you know, quarterly checkup rather than a active maintenance program. Definitely, definitely. All right. Um, I'm going to try to do this every episode because I just want I want people to see that everybody is out there growing. So I always got to hit them with the humbling question. So the humbling question is, what's one area in this whole process from bid to bank that you feel that maybe you're soft on or you'd like to get better at like right now? I've got kind of touched on a couple of those, but I've got a long list. Do you want the whole list or just one? No, no. Just give me that. (laughs) Maybe the one that is the thorn in the heel today or something. So I don't know if I'll be able to quite get it down to one, but um, the the sales process definitely needs some work. Um, You know, from what we're seeing feedback from our clients, et cetera, we're better than every one of the bids we seem to be going up against, but Mm -hmm. it's nowhere close to as good as it should be. Um, everything from some of our proposals not being as, uh, as detailed or on brand as I would like to, you know, the biggest one we run into is just not, not as quick as we need to be. We need to be faster at, at quote turnarounds. That's probably the biggest single item. Um, and it's tough cause it's, it's a lot of people involved. It's a lot of work involved to get those turned around faster. But I guess if I have to do one, it's the fact that quote turnarounds, need to be way more automated so it's it's better built items in the system better pricing better everything set more so that you know our sales team yourself myself etc can build a bid faster and more efficiently and more correctly with all of the right things so that you know when you bring up two cameras one of them has the right they all look the same in the system as far as the details they give the do they have photos attached do they not have photos attached like all of the aspects of that quote should be on brand on point you know you shouldn't have one camera that's giving all the technical details and the other camera says four megapixel eyeball like you know all of those type deals that then allow you to quickly build that quote to then turn that back around to the client as part of a sales proposal and so it's the it's the templating it's that sales proposal process that is our probably Achilles heel right now that just needs the hours put into it, unfortunately. Definitely. And then every episode we get the bonus questions. So based on your experience uh, moving a job from bid to bank, where would you say that focus is most critical in the completion of the entire job? And is there any takeaways for our listeners that you found to be helpful to focus in that in that critical moment? I think documentation, um, it's something we've gotten substantially better at, um, but it's something that lacks heavily in the industry. That's photos of everything and not just like text messaging the photos. It's using something like Fieldwire to tie all those photos of every single device, every single serial number. I want to be able to, you know, from a client perspective, but also a management perspective, look back and know exactly what part and model number were used on that particular camera in the northeast corner of that school that is on cable number whatever here's the cable certification report here's you know it's the full project documentation so it's it's then being able to turn that into quality quality as built deliverables um and like i said it's something we're substantially better at but it's something that most companies, including ours, definitely a couple of years ago and, and still sometimes struggle with a lot that eliminates so much pain in the future from a service standpoint, from a customer experience standpoint, being able to turn over that document showing 
all of the data and showing the job done right to the client adds so much value um, to just the client experience, really. Yeah, I, I think that that's one thing the guys kind of overlook, and that's definitely something that we've seen at Sprinter, is that when you have all that documentation, you can actually now sell the client even more deliverables from the rack diagrams to, you know, getting them into that field wire and seeing that all those photos are up there. That's that's verification to them that their project was taken care of. Correct. And um, definitely, you know, Dan in the van sometimes misses that that documentation could up the price of his uh, his bid and the, the job completion for sure. When you've got photos of every service loop, every faceplate, everything six feet back up close, every label, you know, this, the full PDF certification results, everything, the, the workspace, the environment, and you can turn that into that corporate IT person or whoever is your client and be like, here you go. You can literally click around and see every device. You can see the entire project and how it finished. Um, you know, keeping in mind something that, you know, took me a long time to, to realize when bidding a lot of projects, and that is that you're not spending typically that person's money. Maybe if you're working with a small business, you are, you're dealing with the owner, but in most environments, you're not spending their money. It's all about making their job and the people they report to's job easier. And if it can eliminate troubleshooting time, if it can eliminate them trying to sell on why this should be a thing, whatever, um, if you can make your client's job easier, you're worth more money to them. And that's the big thing that sometimes is easy to forget about because it's like, oh, well, why would they pay an extra $20 a wire to have the as built, to have these photos, everything else? Meanwhile, if they got to go and they got to drive three hours to the site and go pull out the toner and test to figure out why this printer isn't working in a year from now versus being able to pull up some photos, that was worth way more than 20 bucks a wire to them. So, you know, knowing who you're, whose money you're spending and the fact that like you're, you're helping them make their lives easier. Even when you were dealing with a business owner, you're making them have an easier job. And if you're making their life easier, then that's worth money. And if you can sell that deliverable product, um, I mean, we're seeing it, we're seeing it here with the, the, the constant work explosion that we're, we're a part of. And that is just providing those level of details adds a lot, a lot of value. Definitely. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time. Um, I shouted out every episode and because thank you so much for sponsoring the podcast. But can you tell uh, listeners where to find you if they want to reach out, if they have questions or want to see what you're doing? Absolutely. Um, so we're at SprinterDatacom on, uh, on the old Instagram, uh, Sprinter Business Solutions on Facebook, SprinterIT.com. You can find us on LinkedIn as well, Sprinter Business Solutions. You can find me, Chris Tiffany, on LinkedIn or add me on Facebook um, or Instagram there. Uh, always happy to have direct conversations on things. Uh, I've helped, helped a lot of people out looking at proposals, looking at different things. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of work out there. There's a lot of work across the, the industry, across Wisconsin and across the world. And, uh, you know, anything I can do to to help raise the level of quality and, uh, and, and, and experience in the industry is what I'm on board with. So um, really excited to be here today, Chris. Thank you so much. I'm excited to continue seeing the uh, amazing work you're doing over here and uh, both at Sprinter and at Security Today and, and this line of uh, episodes as well. So love it. Thank you so much. 
Awesome. Thank you. Well, I'm your host, Uncle Bear, and this is Security Today Podcast Bid to Bank, our first episode in the bank. So check us out. Um, We drop episodes every Wednesday, and uh, you can check us out on a new segment that we're doing, Security to Daily, with little clips every single day on our Instagram platform just to keep you involved and growing and being the better tech. That's what we're here for. So thanks so much, Chris, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Cheers, my friend. Take care.